Morning Go Pizza presents S S D P P P the Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. This, it's our first beautiful sunny day in the greater Toronto area. And I know... Glad I'm in my basement. (laughs) And you're in your basement. Jesse is at the office, uh, socially distanced, and I am at home with construction in the background. It's not my home. Everybody... Everybody's like, you know there's people walking through your backyard. That's actually my neighbor's yard. My backyard's that way. And I don't have a backyard because it's just where my cars are parked. So. How bad of friends do you think Jesse and I are that we wouldn't mention, hey, man, I think you got a trespasser there right over your shoulder. <laughs> well, we know how focused you can get on your rants. I don't blame anybody for saying Steve probably didn't notice that. Like, I, I really don't. But at the same time, you also, also must know about Steve is that if there's anything distracting at all, he has to point it out and talk about it even if he's in the middle of oh, something yeah. really important. Oh, yeah. D- your window's been a problem because my back is strategically, because I'm a child, uh, f- uh, my back is to the window of the studio. But since we're not there anymore, Adam will be in the middle of something poignant, probably about Napoleon or some shit. <laughs> and I'll be like, there's two squirrels fighting. There's a, there's a man in his backyard. There's a cat. Did anyone see the cat? That's Willie. That's Willie the cat. So if you wow. see Willie walking around... Uh, it's because this is a multi-unit house next door, and there's mice down by their garbage. So Willie takes care of that problem for us, which is Does great. that cat Everyone... wear the crown? He, you know what? He has been an MVP for a long, long time in the neighborhood. Everybody likes him. Everybody knows him. And despite the fact that my dogs bark at him, he still comes up and says hi to me <laughs> and is pretty chill around them, too. Like He knows that they can't catch him, so he just kind of looks at them like, what are you going to do? Yeah, Bugs he Bunny... is, He's wearing the crown. Bugs Bunny really misled me on the dog cat relationship it's a bit of a dry zone because we still don't know um anything anything any damn thing nothing nothing uh we don't know about the 2014 format nope we don't really have any consistent view on the draft uh we know that pierre mcguire has yet again interviewed for another gm job which he's been doing for 25 years he really is the free space in bingo i know we'll we'll talk about that we'll talk about that but there is one major thing and i think it's the first thing you have to bring up it's the it's the thing i i was um i was reading it this morning between breaks on the morning show uh it's akima lose uh hockey is not for everyone and it's from the players tribune and it is uh one of the most gut-wrenching things um, I've ever read, frankly. Um, and a, you know, a, a fascinating spellbinding sort of read, like one of those things that just sucks you in and you can't stop reading. But at the same time, as you read, your heart breaks more and more and more with each paragraph. And you realize, you know, uh, a side of, of hockey that you didn't know existed. I mean, for me, I, I, you know, when I was playing, I, I didn't know. Um, and I never played at a high level. I was playing house league, right? So it wasn't something that, that I was exposed to, but, um, I mean, to, to, to guess, to start us off on that, um, he discusses, if you haven't read it yet, talks about everything from his upbringing to, um, his first love of hockey and how he picked up his first skates at a garage sale for nine bucks. And they were the leather skates. My dad had those, by the way. He said when you used to go to hockey practice, guys would pull their skates out of their, out of their bag and the, and the boot would just fall over to the side. <laughs> like they were true leather. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, how anyone ever used them. Right. Yeah. And so he learned how to play like that and he loved the game and he wanted to be, 
he wanted his family to see him in the newspaper as you know a guy who's scoring three goals or a guy that's led his team to the playoffs and obviously we know sort of what happened from there and without quoting it directly too much because I believe you should read it um it turns into a pretty tragic story and what's interesting about this too is that there is um there is a a very honest couple of moments. He talks about the Steve Downey incident. He talks about Bill Peters. And what's so honest about it and what's so interesting about it from a hockey perspective is that um, most hockey players would never name anyone, even if they'd done something terrible. And Akeem comes out and names them directly, talks about the stories, and talks about, you know, for instance, losing seven teeth when Steve Downey cross-checked him in the face in practice. Um, and talks about the events as they happened and how no one stood up for him. Nobody came to his side. Nobody, he didn't need somebody to stand up for him and fight somebody. He needed somebody to agree with him. And the loneliness that he felt in that position. Um, it's one of the things that, you know, we, we, it's like the anti what we think hockey is. And we're not just talking about the NHL. And he makes that distinction too. He's like, the NHL is not hockey. It's a hockey league. But you know, hockey is the minor league teams all across the world and the minor league coaches and all the way up to the junior levels, to the semi-pro, to the pro. And I guess sort of where I want to take this is, and, and, you know, again, you know, sue me for this, but, you know, Jesse, you had a tweet today about, um, about you know, pertaining to this. Well, Black Girl Hockey did as well. Um, you were talking about specifically – um, names that you see in EASHL yeah, uh, and how you see racist names often. And you posted a picture of that. And I, I guess I want to start with your perspective on this because you have the most perspective on this. Mm-hmm. And think, yeah. yeah, go ahead, please. No, I think like I posted that and I think Akeem talks about this stuff because we all, we care about the game. Like you don't say these things you don't comment on hockey and you don't try and make it better and expose all these issues. If you don't care about hockey, it's like, I, I, like you said, I posted that tweet about the whole bunch of the rampant racist names that happen in NHL 20. And I'm not going to stop playing the game. Like the reason I see these racist names is because I love the game. I love playing video games. I love NHL 20 and I play it, but <laughs> I'm calling it out because I care about, it. I want it to change. And I think, Alou made that point so uh, poignantly in his in his piece because he wants better for hockey and he's he's got to tell you all these issues so that the people within the game can try and change it and make it better and I feel like that was such a great point and so we were uh, kicking just so you know anybody watching the video screen uh, or the video feed uh, we we were just about to ask Jesse a very serious question and. Of course, he was like, here's a thoughtful answer, and then Zoom froze. So we're going to start again with that one. And the, and the question is uh, about the part uh, that I found uh, the toughest to read, which is the loneliness part. You know, we're talking about Akeem um, when he uh, went through the event and was cross-checked in the face and lost seven teeth because of Steve Downey. Uh, when Bill Peters came in, and we know the Bill Peters story, um, and again, I encourage you to read it in the Players' Tribune because the way he describes it is, um, is the part that really kind of hits home. But Jesse, you never played hockey at a high level. You did play baseball at a high level. Um, 
but you are part of a hockey community now. And I think, you know, when I read that, I wonder how many fans that applies to. You know what I mean? Because that's what we are. We're just super fans. We just love the game. And you love this game and you love NHL and you like you love I mean, EA Sports NHL and you love uh, watching the games, going to games, everything to do with this. Do you feel that? At times, for sure, because everybody you get different experiences because everybody's a different person. It's, it's a reason we're such big advocates for the women's game and having minorities in hockey, because when you see a woman in hockey you, and you are a woman, you see that and you have that perspective. You're like, that person understands what I'm going through. When you're a minority and you see a fellow minority in these positions, you're like, they understand my perspective because it is a different perspective. As much as we don't want to admit it, it is different if you are different and you stand out. So when I lose sitting there on the bench and in Montreal and, or in Quebec and someone calls him the N-word and he looks down to his teammates, nobody else on that bench knows what, he, what he's feeling in that moment. And I feel like that's – and he, he describes it and he talks about how there's no reaction from any of his teammates or coaches because they didn't understand. He was alone in that moment because that doesn't affect them like it affects him. And – when you don't have, and you look at the hockey community and I don't see as many teammates around me, not teammates in the sense that we're all playing in the sport, but teammates just in the hockey community because they're just, it just doesn't exist. So yeah, you are alone at times because there aren't people experiencing the same things as you. So, you know, one of the things the article talks about is, you know, the, the good intentions of the NHL, although, much, much work to do. Um, and there, you know, that, that, you know, we're not, he's not closing the book on things. In fact, he wants to push things forward, which, you know, given what he's gone through, you couldn't blame him for saying, you know, screw this. I don't want to be a part of this. Um, and he's has it, which I think is the, the, the strongest part. My question is, and we've had this discussion before, and we seem to be having a lot of these discussions Lately, it's, it's the, the reckoning is, is here. And these are the, these are the hard discussions. Uh, and you have them now so that you don't have to have them later. Whenever you're having a, a tough time in your life, you're doing it now so that you don't have to do it later. Because you can kick the can down the road like the sport has done for many, many years. And all of a sudden you have, you know, a, a sport that doesn't feel inclusive to many people. Um, so this is what we're trying to move forward and past. My question is, uh, and it's to both of you. We have to do more. What does more look like? And I'm not asking to answer the entire question because that's a big question. Uh, but he did mention the, the Rooney rule in Pittsburgh where you must, uh, and the, the NFL, I believe, has adopted that, you must interview minorities for positions um, because they're, otherwise they may not ever have a chance. Um, you know, what things do you see that you go, you know what, we could change that right now and that makes a big difference. And Jesse, I want to kind of start with you on that one. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just important to get those people into the game and make them understand that it's a space for them. Um, I think the Rooney Rule is a great start. I feel, like when you, I feel like once you have them in the building, then it starts to, we do the interviews and then we hire. And it's also about creating safe spaces. It's about even, it's, it's so much deeper than the, than the NHL because I know he, he hammered that point home is that, okay, we're going at the NHL for their hockey is for everyone slogan because 
it's not entirely true, but this isn't an NHL problem. That's one league within, within the entire hockey community. So it has to start at the grassroots level. You have to, you have to get immigrants involved. You have to get minorities involved, whether that's creating their own safe spaces where they learn and understand the game, or if it's just finding ways to integrate everyone at just the grassroots level so they can start loving hockey because it's a sport that brings Canadians together. Uh, once, when, when you get on the ice and you skate, that's when you become friends with people in Canada. You know, it's, that's how you build relationships as kids. And you need, a, you need to get them in there. You need to get everyone with, on the ice as much as possible. I don't know, Steve, what are your thoughts? God, you're making me miss hockey so much. Um, but the, uh, it's the minimum. The, the bare minimum, and let's start there and build. Listen. Listen, for crying out loud, listen. Like, every time Akeem Alou says something, you see the 15 minutes tweet. And I'm... I'm the 15 minutes. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. Sorry, the, the when are, when are this, when's this guy's 15 minutes going to be up? Oh, okay. Happens all the time. Happens every time he says something. I see it every time. What are you asking that for? What's the purpose? What's the purpose? The Steve Downey incident happened. It's literally on video. So what are you talking about? The Bill Peters thing is cor uh, corroborated by uh, everybody there, Akeem everybody there uh, multiple teammates, including the captain, Jake Dowell. And Bill. And Bill. What are you talking about? The, uh, the Chicago, uh, Colorado Eagles incident that I don't think was actually he even brought up it. in no. his article. No. That happened. There's pictures. What are you talking about? What 15 minutes? If you've ever listened to any African-American, African-Canadian, if you've ever listened to any minority in hockey, they have a similar story. It's not him. Stop pinning it all on him. He's just actually saying something. You know, not, not everyone wants to deal with this shit, frankly. Well, and, 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 oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. But you, you made a good point there, and I want to expound on that after. Sure, go ahead. Well, okay. So, Mike, so the, that brings us to the part where we have one NHLer, and that's Stephen Johns at the recording of this podcast who's spoken up about this. You have members of the media retweeting and, you know, giving their opinions. But, you know, he talks about this a little bit, and there are people that mention it even more. It's, you know, it's, it's the, the major faces of the games, you know, the Connor McDavid's, the Sidney Crosby's don't talk about this stuff. You know, it became a major issue when it's like, are they going to the White House? Who's going to the White House? Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, he kind of goes into why hockey players don't want to do that. They don't want to stand out. And it's, a, it's an issue that is a marketing challenge for the NHL. I think it's a not more than a challenge. It's a problem. They don't have a lot of big personalities because nobody wants to stand out. Um, and a lot of these guys don't want to get involved in this because frankly, it's inconvenient. And I want to know, you know, what it takes for major faces in the game to finally stand up and say something. And, and, you know, other than, you know, wishing the best, like there's gotta be more than this now, doesn't there do, is it wrong of us to now have higher expectations of the faces of this game who are of one minority? Well, I'm sorry, majority. Um, and who are supposed to be, you know, they're marketed to us as leaders in the community, charitable people, um, great, great captains, 
at what point does that become a part of the responsibility of being a face of the game? You make that kind of money. You are that you, you make those kinds of uh, deals with, you know, energy drink companies or uh, bread companies or auto companies, whatever it is, if you're going to be a face here. At what point is it on you to take a step up? And I mean, I don't even know. I don't like Stephen Johns. Uh, he didn't say much. He just said we had to do we have to do more, which I mean, anybody could have said. That's all and nobody will even for. Well, and that's nobody's the minimum. Right. And we're and I'm asking specifics. I mean, the hard question is what? What is it? Uh, and there's so many what's to be answered. But the just that that happened. There's a guy with 10,000 followers. I mean, that that alone was was great. And obviously, Evander Kane spoke up, but we're talking about white guys. So what, at what point here do we expect these guys to lead on that social front as well and grow this game? And is it, is it a fair expectation? I, I mean, I think it's a fair expectation. Um, at what point, though, do, do these athletes sort of step up in that realm? And I, 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 I know that's a question that's unanswerable, but is it time? It's up to them personally, really. Uh, like if you ask anybody's advice, they'll probably tell you not to talk about it. And they'll probably tell you to uh, stay away from the issues because it's problematic for you and it's problematic for the organization. And it's uh, frankly a pain in the ass. And players, stars in particular, uh, need to decide that they're just going to barrel through all that. They're, they're going to deal with the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, they're going to have to deal with the fact that it's exhausting to deal with racists, <laughs> which <laughs> basically white people need to find out how exhausting that is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. So, uh, and you don't want to deal with it, do you? No, it sucks. All right. Now you're starting to get it. I think maybe. Um, but they, they do have to take it upon themselves. It's up to, you get to Connor McDavid's level, and we're just we're just using his name, right? You get to the two biggest names in the game. Yeah, you get to star level, any team's best player or most popular player. Let's say you sort of get to a point where uh, the organization can make a suggestion, and you just don't really have to listen to it because your name sort of transcends it. You know, it doesn't mean being a bad teammate. It doesn't mean never listening to anybody, uh, but it does mean taking it upon yourself and using your star power to use your voice, to speak up for those who don't have quite the voice, who don't have quite the same power, right? So, uh, you know, I saw, I saw a heartbreaking tweet under it, like, you know, that's just not this sport. Like, stop expecting it to happen, which is, it's, it's a... Man, from a guy who can be pretty pessimistic, like, Jesus, I can't, I just can't accept that level of pessimism. I don't, um, I don't think it'll stay that way. The progress is happening in hockey and, and uh, Alou did say that he did acknowledge it, but it's just, it's so slow. It's so unbelievably slow. And I, I guess I'll say this. There's a vocal minority that whenever Alou tweets something, they just immediately go to, how can I go against this? How can I make this a, ugh, how can I save myself the trouble of reading all these unpleasant things and just talk about how it's about his 15 minutes, right? I know that's a very vocal minority. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do 
I'm just curious. I, I just, my faith way. is in most people being good. Right. right. I just, I'm curious as to how he's profited from this. Like, he bloody hasn't. <laughs> before, like, before we move off of the, the star players not speaking up, I have to Oh, I was to going say, to you next. <laughs> Don't worry. I just have to say, it's, it's starting to upset me because it's, it's come to the point where this is, the, this is what's made you who you are the game of hockey, this is what's made you a millionaire and put you on this pedestal. And it's interesting watching the, uh, the Last Dance and going through the saga of Michael Jordan saying, uh, what was it, uh, racist by Jordans too? Is that the Re- quote? Well, actually, it was Republicans. Republicans. Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Republicans by Jordans too. Take, take that for what it means. But uh, yeah, so, but that was, it seems like that was, a, it was more of a political issue. And we're not asking these, top, these McDavid's, the Crosby, to speak on political issues. We're asking them to speak on the thing they grew up in, the thing they're doing right now that's paying them millions of dollars. I'm not telling you to comment on going to the White House. I'm telling you to comment on what goes on in a locker room to a 12-year-old. And I, I feel like they're, they have, at some point, if the dam's got a break and these guys have to stand up for their game because they are, whether they like it or not, when you're at that tier, you are the representative of the entire sport. You are the international face of what, it, and they shy away from it so much in hockey to not be that face. But at some point you got to accept what you are and you got to speak out and you got to take a stance and help the people who can't help themselves. Because as a, as a 12 year old black kid, you can't affect hockey. You can't change the culture around you. You can't change racist taunts. Even at, at my level, I can't, I can't stop kids who, on, on EASHL from having a racist name, even though I'm trying. So it'd be, it'd be great if these guys who are in positions of power who can affect change just say something for once. And, and you know, subconsciously I'm going, well, you know, there's, there's more minorities you know, in hockey on uh, the radio side now than there were before on the TV side, on the digital side, playing, probably in coaching at the minor league levels. And I'm going, no, that's still not who we're asking to help here. That's still, it's white people, man. <laughs> well, Wait, no, but if we you want to be... rely on, no, no, no. want to be a leader, if you want to tell, if you want to, you know, if, if you want to pretend to be one of the best players ever. What side of history do you want your legacy to land on? But what I'm saying is we're relying on minorities to fix racism. Oh, okay. Right, which I think is wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Definitely. Yeah. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to disagree with that. Yeah, that's a No, pretty- I know. But <laughs> take you- there. <laughs> Adam, but you'd be surprised. I know, right. I know. Right. I'm just giving you hell. But, you know, the, the thing is, is that, yeah, Jesse, I'm with you. I think... I think it's time for these guys to step up, like get out there. And it's got to be more than, hey, like put them in front of a fucking camera and going, hey, you can play. And I put some rainbow tape on my stick and everything's all right. It's got to be more than that. I don't know, know, Adam. Is is it time for them to stick up uh, or or to step up? We now go live to the comment section. Yeah, (laughs) true. But you you understand, like there has to be at a certain point, some buy-in from the leaders of this game. And, and, and maybe they don't want to speak up because they're not eloquent. But that's another problem with hockey that we've mentioned many times before. There are not very many eloquent hockey players who have a lot to say. I don't buy and that. what's I don't that? Buy that? 
I don't you buy, don't buy that. that. Well, I mean, listen, or who are comfortable on camera. Uh, and, and, you know, if you don't buy that, that's fine. That's cool. Um, I think it's time for them to get over the fear and start standing up for people that actually are fans. Because the thing is, it's more than just standing up for uh, a specific teammate um, or, you know, somebody that used to know. You're standing up for the fans in the stands who are a part of this as well and who are paying to be there and paying to be a part of this because essentially that's what you're doing. And, you know, it would be really great if, I mean, the, it's bare minimum stuff. Like, we need to do better. You know, like, people would flip their shit if Connor McDavid tweeted that today. And it's just nothing. It, it would legitimately be a big deal. Yeah. Yep. And it doesn't and we can't even anything. get that. Wouldn't even change anything. No. But it would just be like, wow, somebody acknowledged it. It's like, it, it's, I, I hate to say it, but it's the, it's the worst, it's the worst comparison to the West Macaulay thing. There, we're so void of personality. And we're so void of anybody standing up socially here that, that we that we would flip our shit if something like that happened and, and I, I, I don't buy the eloquence thing i i know the hockey player stereotype is well you know we got to give it 110 percent pucks in deep if you've played a thousand game nhl career and been to several all-star games you've been in front of a camera more than the cast of friends don't don't give me this there's no eloquent hockey players who know how to talk yes there are yes there bloody are Every team's got at least half a dozen guys who could talk a dog off a meat wagon. So I guess, you know, is there anything here um, that you think we, we ought to hit? And I'm asking both of you because, I, you know, when you read something like this, there's so many things that, that you want to make sure that you talk about. Is there anything here that you think we need to, we need to highlight before we move on? I think it's important to drive home the fact that we just need people to keep talking. We need people to keep sharing these stories because the more we talk, the more it's going to affect change. And if let's, I think you need to pull back from yourself for a little bit. And if you love hockey, you need to realize that it's a deeper issue. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you drove uh, purulator trucks for a living and then you realize that, Oh, uh, they only let white people drive purulator trucks. And then you said nothing about it. It would probably be a problem. Like that's the extreme example and a ridiculous comparison, but it's the same thing on a different level. It's okay. There's a fundamental problem with the grassroots of the game as outlined by Akeem Alou's story. And we need to change it. We need to work together and everybody needs to be vocal on it. It can't just be the people who are being disrespected. They can't just be the ones speaking out. So it's important just, get out there and speak and try and make some change. Mm. Yeah. Do the difficult thing, which is speak up. And if you can't do that, do the easy thing, which is listen. Not every Akimalu critique of racism in the sport of hockey is a personal attack against you. <laughs> as hard as that is to believe. <laughs> believe it or not. He doesn't know who you are. Now, Don't take it personally. Just yeah. listen. We, uh, we did see uh, Coach Mike Babcock uh, appear on a coaching panel on uh, Zoom uh, for, today. For uh, McGill. For McGill. And we've also seen, and this is interesting, so you've seen Mitch Marner talk about what happens if the NHL goes back and somebody gets COVID and dies, right? That's what he said on, on a stream. Verbatim. Mitch, he's been very, very honest, and he appeared on Connor Carrick's podcast. He was talking about the list that Mike Babcock put him through. And here's what he said. I was really young. I was really nervous. I didn't know what to do, so I did it. Next thing I knew, it got reported to the team. Bozy, JVR, and Naz, those are three of the, some of the best guys I've ever played with. 
They've been great throughout my career talking to them and stuff like that. It was hilarious. At first, they were jiving me about it because I didn't know it was going to get shown to them. I think Babs's lesson was trying to show the older guys that I'm a young guy and I'm looking up to those three, and that's what's happening. Marner described it as a growing moment, and this is according to um, Luke Fox at Sportsnet.ca. Babcock himself said he apologized at the time. He said it wasn't a great idea. Marner went on to say these guys – sorry, the three guys that ended up getting told, uh, these were three of the best guys that could have been told because they didn't care. They were on my side. They knew I had to do what I had to do up there. And he, he noted that he maintains great relationships with them. So it's sort of an interesting thing. Um, and then he gets into the contract. So he talked about the contract with Darren Ferris and Kyle Dubas. And he said, you have agents for a reason. They do all the dirty work. They do the talking for you. It was about three or four days before training camp opened up. And I finally called Darren and said, all right, let's get a meeting with Kyle. Let's get talking. I want to talk face to face. Once the player and GM met in person, a key point in the William Nylander negotiations as well. Marner said his signature was on the paperwork within 24 to 48 hours. He said it was really interesting to be a I'm part so of that upset. and see what a lot of people try to do to kind of tear you down, try to make you feel like you're not the player that you are. He steered clear of social media and hit the gym, uh, determined to prove doubters wrong. Uh, and then he, he trained on the ice a ton. And his trainer said, hey, man, just calm down. No one's out here judging you. You're a hockey player. You can do this. You're fine enjoy everything so a couple of major things um you know you have to wonder a little bit if that hockey culture is coming in because with the babcock list i mean the don't tell me that your heart's not broken a little bit if that happens to you right the babcock i mean yeah if you're mitch marner the way when he described i've been going back and forth on the babcock thing Um, at least with regards to Mitch, because it wasn't cool what Babs did, right? But I feel like I got way more upset about it, and most most of Leaf fans got way more upset about it than Mitch did. Yeah, it affected us more than it did him, and us in meaning the Leaf fan community. Yeah, and now I'm – like is okay there's a difference between a genuinely bad person and someone who is kind of a jerk or someone who is maybe good and kind of does jerk things and i feel like we maybe went way in one direction for babs like maybe too far i don't know i don't like well I, it's not like there isn't a trail of players and stories there is. about this guy there is. He's done bad things. He has done bad things, and I would put the Marner list incident among them. But I, like, I can't picture him as this crazy saber-tooth monster under the bed. But you're, you are a good person or not based on your actions. Yeah. And, and I'm sure he – and Mike has done a lot of good. Like, he has done a lot of good. And He's I don't very know. very good in the community. When you yeah. Appear. Listen, we're not, I don't think the judgment is Mike Babcock the person. I think the judgment is Mike Babcock the coach. I've heard behind the Is he the a good coach anymore? Is he an effective leader? That's I've the question. I've heard stories, and most of them are positive. Most yeah, of them. Yeah, 100%. And but, that's, there were, but there were so many fundamental things wrong with the way he ran the hockey team. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wait, so that's, are we, that's are we talking about... Are we talking about making rookies do lists or are we talking about not putting people with Austin Matthews who should be? Both. Okay. 
Yeah. Right. Cause <laughs> to, to me, it's, it's, you know, you want to uh, jump on Mike Babcock, the person, the reality is you don't know Mike Babcock, the person you don't No. but can you tell me that what happened with Franzen or, you know, what happened with other guys um, is, isn't, is an effective coach. And I think at the time I was talking about like, it's the highest paid coach in the world. And this is happening. Well, and this is how that's quickly, odd to me. This is how quickly it changes though, because I think of this one incident and I'm like, hey, is he that bad? And then you start listening to them all. Right. And I'm and like, I just oh, listed one. I didn't even really forgot get about the Franz and one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the part about that, that I still like, it's not really for me. Um, I don't think he's an inherently bad man. I, I think he's probably to say anything until one person says something and all these stories come out, right? Like all these stories kind of came to the top. And I think we were featured in like a Swedish newspaper or something at the time. It was such a big story over there because of Franzen. Like I think we were all in that. Oh, I, remember, yeah. for some, I remember something for some reason. It was like a big sports paper in Sweden. And, and uh, you know, I think that's the, the, the thing here with, with that story is, and I think the question at the time, the question still remains. Whenever I hear that story, I go, man, is that a guy that I could hire in my organization now and trust? And he may not need to. He may not want to. But if Mike Babcock does want to coach in the NHL again, and we're hearing from Elliot Freeman that he probably, probably doesn't, at least for now, are we really – are you sure as, a, as organization X – that that is the guy that you want because he does do, he does change cultures. He does create accountabilities, but he also goes overboard. And when you go, when he goes overboard, it's hardcore and he picks favorites. I I don't believe for a second that he's done. I think he's, he's, I mean, you guys have done a show with me long enough that, you know, sometimes I, I need to go in a corner and think about what I've done. And (laughs) I, I think, but at the end of the day, I think you like doing a show with me. It's just sometimes I need to go in the corner. Mm-hmm. Babcock is spending time in the corner right now. Um, <laughs> He'll be back. John Tortorella spent a brief moment in the corner, yep. and I think it did him a lot of good. He's still John Tortorella. He's still very John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. But he benefited from a good little breath of fresh air, thinking about what he did in the corner. John – you're a good coach. You won a Stanley Cup. You got a really good record. You've been here for a long time. You can't be storming into the other locker room trying to fight the other coach, John. <laughs> you can't do it. So we're going to fire you. We're going to send you over here to Columbus, and you're going to think about what you did a little bit. Okay, buddy? Mm-hmm. Babs, no one's taking your three Stanley Cup finals away from you, your Olympic gold, and your Stanley Cup. No one's taking that away from you. But A, B, C, and D, no. Like, you need to – the ego thing with him has been around for a long time. Like, that's mm-hmm. – it's a, it's a rumor that was basically just confirmed. Yeah. So, well, that Sean Fitzgerald – you remember, remember what Sean Fitzgerald said about his accent and how it was just made oh, up? Oh, that was – right. That was amazing. Yeah. Man, oh, he's so great. He's, he's so, so flipping good. great. Oh, so good. And what a great storyteller, too. Guy was one of my favorite guests we've ever had. He was so good. Oh, just awesome. Yeah, Babcock um, needs to have his toys taken away. Go to the corner, take a nice long walk. And then when he comes back, I bet he'll be a pretty good coach. But he's, he has to change. Hmm. So then we move on to the second part of that interview with Connor Carrick. Connor's got a nasty scar. Have you, have you seen it? Yeah. 
I mean, I, I know he got, I, I know he got it this season, but holy moly, the thing is still healing. He, that's uh, the creepy thing about Instagram is you, you see guys get cuts all the time, and Connor got that one. And after a while, I was like, oh, I guess that's not going away, huh? No, it's not. No, <laughs> no, it's it's so badass though. It looks cool. Um, and Connor's great. been on this show. He's a great guy. The so he inter- have he, we had Connor Karakov? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was a while, while ago. ago. Was I on the show? Yeah. Like on the, like you mean no. a member of the cast? <laughs> like on this podcast? It was like a year and a half ago. Person. It was on the phone. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was not long ago. We, we uh, do got to have Connor on again. That's an interesting yeah. dude because he was, he was driving from Illinois to Michigan um, when we called him. Right. But oh, yeah. so I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was texting with him, but then he's like, oh, sorry, I got to drive. And then I was on the go train. And he called me, and I'm like, "What?" Because he had a few questions, and then I answered them, and you know, said goodbye, and we hung up. And five minutes later, he called back again, <laughs> and we spoke for another twenty minutes, and then we hung up, and then he called back again. <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> he called like three times. That's awesome. He's, that's a that's a Adam. That's a different dude. That's a different dude. That's a different, a different dude. dude. I would love to have Connor Carrick back on. Yeah, no, for sure. We should, we should absolutely do that. Um, so, also, if anybody wants to listen to that, it's called Carrick's Fuel, and it was from uh, 2019. There you go. Yeah, that was his coffee <laughs> here you in Toronto. <laughs> um, so the Mitch Marner stuff with the agent, as I'm, reading the, as I'm reading the quote, one of you said, and I don't know which one of you it was, said, oh, that pisses me off. Jesse. Oh, me. It was you. Yeah. See, I would have thought it was Steve. I was expecting it to be Steve. So, just, so let me just read the quote one more time, and then I want to get into why that pisses you off, Jesse. So uh, Marner's priority was not to miss – or sorry, was uh, not to miss any training camp or exhibition games. Uh, he said, you have agents for a reason. They do the dirty work. They do all the talking for you. It uh, was about three or four days before training camp opened up. I finally called Darren. I said, all right, let's do a meeting with Kyle. Let's get talking. I want to talk face-to-face, and Kyle really wanted that as well. Jesse, what upset you about that quote? Where were you in July, Mitch Marner? Call your agent on July 1st or what, or June or whenever's not two days before training camp and get this done. If that's all it took, why, why wasn't that call made earlier? That's ridiculous. The whole summer, all we did was complain about Mitch Marner. And the fans started turning on him and it was a terrible summer. And then all, all you have to do is make is fucking send a text, <laughs> fire up your iPhone, twiddle your thumbs a little, and be like, all right, let's go sign a deal. Come on. Save, <laughs> us, save us eight months of that nonsense. Anyway. Well, it, it goes back to what Steve says, every contract negotiation. It's like, what do you do all day? Like, what do you do? Nothing. They didn't what are you do doing? anything. No, exactly. Point. And I'm not talking about necessarily Mitch Marner, but like GMs and, and agents. It's like, what are you doing? Like, are you serious? Once again. I think fans took it a lot harder than he did. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, that that I I disagree strongly with. Chris Johnson wouldn't have come on this show and said he took it hard if he hadn't taken it hard. That's true. I think I think he took it extremely hard, and yeah. I think fans took it personally because yeah. what but, what the narrative was pushed out was, and this is I'm not revising here. He was disrespected. He wasn't appreciated. I mean, this is the most beloved player on the team, and they easily, just want a easily. fair salary for him, mm-hmm. and it's. It's above market, guys. It's above a market cost. We did about 30 episodes on that two-line sentence of what you just described, Adam. Yeah. Being disrespected. It was, it was all last year is all we terrible. talked about. And then it, it clearly affected him going into this year and his play to start the year. But yeah. Jesse, 
like you just said, whose fault is that? I, I'm blaming Mitch. Yep. No, it's the fans. It's Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Remember we're, how... It, we're uh, nuts. <laughs> no, so Mitch never blames Toronto for that. He might, personally. No, I don't no think that's, he does. True. Uh, that's true. But, but, you know, media does. But, you know what, the thing is, like, it's very hard. You know, I, I know he's got world-class skills, and I know he deserved to get paid for it. But he was going to be a rich man. And it's very difficult for somebody who's making 35 or 40 grand working, uh, you know, 60, 70 hours a week doing very hard labor or other things that you have to do to make money and make a living. It's very hard to listen to that. It's very I, hard to listen to that. I thought it was cute. The amount of people going, whoa, you're sticking up for MLSC. And I'm like, there's no little guy here. No, <laughs> let's yeah. stop that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't relate to either party. I know what you're talking about. I think I it's just funny. understand it, the fan perspective, which is it's pretty hard to relate to that. We have a, a difficult time relating. I think. I mean, Swallow uh, water. Okay. Sorry. Okay? Swallow water. I, just, I thought I froze again. Yeah. No, what happened? I inhaled water. Sorry. Uh, Jesse said he was mad uh-huh. and I was smiling for the same reasons. Really? The exact same reasons. All summer long, it's the agent, it's the agent, it's the agent. If you wanted to end this, you could. It's the agent, it's the agent. And he just says it! <laughs> so, I'm sorry, how bad should we feel? Like, it's done now. It's done, I'm glad it's done. I don't care. And, and look at the season he had. He was unreal. Like, people, people really underrated the season he had because when of the money. When he picked it up. When he picked it up, but I don't think his lull was even that bad. It's in October through November, people started talking about Mitch Marner needing to pick it up and the contract affecting his head. And he also got hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I don't think it's fair to say he had an unreal season all the way through. I think December through pandemic, he had a great season. But the body of work, or at least the numbers he ended up with, best pace of his entire career so far. Yeah. His young career. But there definitely was... And Chris Johnson said it. He was stung by it. Mm-hmm. But so were the fans, man. I mean, that's, that's the reality is that they're, both sides were stung by this because um, not – you know, it's funny. He could have signed for that same amount of money and had none of the bad PR. That's what I'm saying. Signed for 10.593. No, signed for 10.893. No bad publicity. All he has to do and all his agent has to do is say nothing publicly. That's it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, well, the publicness of it is... That's what... No, that's when it turns sour. It, we, it started from the day that Con, or Austin Matthews signed his extension, as we all know. God, this that's, feels so familiar. Right? And that's the thing is that... So, you know, if, if this anything... Is, this is muscle memory, man. If anything... And I, I blame the agent at the time, too, and I now sort of regret that, but it's not the first bad take I've had. You have to be How in control. It a well, you, it was the agent's fault, but Mitch let him. Mitch is, that's Mitch's employee. You know? and, and so you have to be, if you are an NHL player, and I think Mitch Marner learned this, your agent, while advocating for you and doing what they think is best for you, can actually hurt your career quite, much, quite a lot. Lawyers can do that. Agents can do that. It happens. You got to take advantage of, of the fact that you know what's best for you. And you've got, to, you've got to stop handing over the, um, the reins to other people who, do not, who are not you. They don't live as you. They didn't earn what you did. 
or, and they are not who you are. And you got to make sure that they're clear on your expectations. And I don't think Mitch understood the damage this could do. But there was a lot of resentment towards that. And it's not the money that he made. It's just the way his agent went about it. I think it pissed off a lot of Toronto fans. And I don't think that's, there's anything wrong with saying that. And it's funny because it's not like, like did anybody throughout the, the thing, the, the contract negotiation say Mitch Marner's a bad hockey player? No. No. Because that's the part about that quote that bugs me. Is, is he says, you know, people, you know, try to tear you down and tell you that you're not the hockey player that you are. Well, I think people were saying, no, he is the hockey player that he is, but that isn't worth what he's asking. It's not worth 14 or $15 million that Darren Dreger was speculating on, right? Like, like, I, I forgot Dreger in this whole thing. You remember? <laughs> so, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just you had two options. Uh, sign earlier for less and feel good or sign later for more and feel bad. It wasn't, it wasn't less, though. It that, wasn't even less. That 10-point whatever deal could have been signed before Matthews. I think they could have had that deal. Or what within 100 grand of that deal. Like, not, it wouldn't have been that hard. Come Do you on. remember what Rachel Dory said when she came on? Like, the absolute max she would sign Marner for? I'm pretty no, I don't sure remember was, what she said. I want to say it was 9-7. Hmm. I think it was 9-7. It was like, so he could have even signed for 10, and people would be like, Whoa! But does anyone talk about Mitch Marner uh, and his contract and say the number 10? They all say 11. Like, well, because it is. Yeah, it is. That's, yes, it is. I don't know. I just – listen, I feel bad that the team's literal teddy bear, mm-hmm. like mascot who's also their leading scorer, yep. uh, got their feelings hurt. And he seems like a great guy. He really does. But – Holy shit, that was exhausting. Well, and also, I how about bad when I think it's his fault? Yeah, how you know? about some acknowledgement of what the fans, the fans have been here long before you and will be here long after? Mm-hmm. Jesse's right. <laughs> Thank you. Jesse's I remember right. when we were in the middle of all this too, and then some people, there was a small vocal minority that started to blame Mitch for this and not the agent, and there was so much pitch, pushback from fans of his. Like the fans of the team who want to believe that Mitch couldn't be responsible for something like this and that it's all the agent. But in reality, you can, he, can send, he can make that phone call. He can send that text just to end it. He can sign his name on any dotted line he wants. And for him to say that's literally what happened is slightly frustrating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder how much those numbers moved in the last 48 hours because they left it for the last 48 hours. I wonder. I'm interested. I would be very interested to know. And I don't know if I'll ever get the answer to that. And what he can get with that money. Like, sorry, it's not. Well, that's not what I'm, it's about. You gotta, you gotta get market value. It's a little value. bit what it's about. It's, it's a little not, bit what it's about. It's what do you have money for to keep it? <laughs> like that's 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 a little bit what it's about. And I can't relate to the Leafs. I've given the Leafs a lot of money, probably enough to pay for at least a year of that contract. I don't, and the, I don't think so. <laughs> probably Sorry, at least. man, I don't think you have. <laughs> probably at least. I don't think you could buy TV a chair some in of it. Social Bank Arena. I uh, yeah. refunded some of it when I worked for them. Mm-hmm. Not much. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, listen, it's in the past. He plays now. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe not now now. When he, he inevitably, when he inevitably scores the Stanley Cup winning goal, are we going to remember any of this shit? No. no. And the thing is, it'll it's be not, part of the story. It's not that you don't like Mitch Marner. You fucking love Mitch Marner, oh, yeah. man. He's 
awesome. You want to hang out with him. You want to play hockey with him. You just want to watch him skate and do crazy shit and score yeah. goals and, and whatever. It'll, it'll be so that, fascinating. That part is still there. It, it doesn't go away. It'll be a fascinating chapter in the documentary about the Leafs' first cup win, the first dance in a while. I thought it was good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, oh, God. Uh, why? What's wrong? Uh, just the utter silence. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was looking at I was looking at the next topic. Now it's it's this comes from the Toronto Sun, but Greg Wyshynski retweeted it. Of course, uh, I think Greg does Greg Wyshynski and Pierre Maguire do they have like a rivalry? No, I think Wyshynski's uh, just American and has to watch him. Okay, so uh, Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun said today. In his column, Pierre Maguire denies it, but word is he recently interviewed for the GM job that may or may not be open in New Jersey. <laughs> they have a GM, said Maguire. Now, yeah. ever since he was on TSN, Pierre Maguire has been linked to just about every NHL head coaching job and GM every, job. Every. Is it? Okay, let me ask you this. He's the free space and bingo. It, he's a free space in Bingo. They've interviewed this person, this person, Pierre Maguire, this person. Bingo. And part of me wonders something. And I don't, I don't think there's anything underhanded going on here. But is it good for Pierre to go to these interviews so he maintains strong contacts with these guys and is, it's helpful for his media career? But, like, does he break news? You know what I mean? Because you can understand if you have a good rapport with all the NHL teams, as a few reporters do, you can break news. Pierre doesn't really do that. And I'm curious as to if that's not what it is, then is what, what possible, what's the, what's the play here? This guy that hasn't coached or been a GM since Hartford in the early 90s, which was a disastrous time. Now he's grown. He's been around the game. He's you know lots of knows knows everybody. It was a quarter century ago, right? So like <laughs> so then so t- tell me what the allure is. And I, wasn't there some linkage, Steve, to Minnesota as well? I yeah. I wanna I wanna say when we were talking about the disaster uh, that happened in Minnesota, that when they were looking for a new GM, weren't two of the names that got brought up, if I remember correct, Peter Shirelli and Pierre Maguire or was it maybe just one of them and we were like are you all right can someone <laughs> check on the wild oh my god bring Chuck Fletcher back has anyone <laughs> has anyone called him a text they okay like that that was staggering to me the, but the the quote from from Simmons though on Maguire sounds like sounded like Maguire sort of being dismissive you know, you'd think maybe he would have said a little bit more if it was to stay in the spotlight, baby. Um, I don't think anyone in hockey media is going to have to worry about the spotlight. But the second the sport comes back, people are going to lose their minds. And so are the people covering it because you're going to be on TV nonstop for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I think teams legitimately interview this guy because they think he can do it. Um. He knows a lot. He, no, he, there's no question. There's no question. Encyclopedic. Pierre, yes, Pierre Maguire would crush you. Yes, you at hockey trivia. Crush yes. you. Um, old stuff, new stuff, 
upcoming stuff. He knows prospect. He will eat your food in hockey trivia. Does that make you a good GM? I don't know. I, I don't know. He analyzes for a living. He has coached before. But like we said, it's like, it's like you know, back in the day, I said, you know, some pretty disrespectful things about Mike Milbury when he was, uh, you know, given his hot takes and everything. And what I, what I basically said was, okay, yes, you were a former GM, but you're also widely regarded as one of the worst GMs in NHL history. Why do I have to listen to your expertise? Did you say that? Uh, yeah, yeah that was pre-Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> this is when he was going after Ovechkin hard. And it, was, it wasn't over. Yeah. Like he, called, he said he needed to be. Didn't he say Milbury was. Milbury was. And he said yeah. he needed to be a student of the game. You traded Luongo oh, for yeah. nothing. Shut up. Yeah. Like right. you traded this guy. You traded that. You shut up. Like, it, like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to any of it. But uh, like McGuire, it's, it's one of those things where they're not even hiring him for a position he's ever even had. It's, it's a mystery. And don't you want to see Pierre McGuire get the job? Just badly. To, badly. Just to I, see? What, okay. I want to see that more than I want to breathe. Yeah. Not only do I want to see that, I want to see him successful. Because I think it would just yeah. turn hockey upside down. I think the, it would just be so much fun. The way more fun option is he's successful. Yes. Oh, yeah. way 100%. more fun. Yes. And I'm not saying that in like a making fun at his expense. He could be amazing. I don't know. I just that's why I asked the question is is what is the allure there and why is this guy always as Steve said the the free the free spot on bingo he's always in the running but never quite gets it what's what's with that it's I don't like, understand how you like how you go to so many interviews don't get the job I mean he's still got a pretty awesome gig with NBC that anybody anybody in hockey would love like and awesome he wouldn't be gig. a GM for the money no he's got money the guy works for a national broadcaster in the states yeah he makes money he's okay yeah, he's doing it because he'd want to do it because he wants to prove that he can do it. I just, I, I would be genuinely curious and it would be the story of the year. I, but it really is like, it really is like they have to have five names and they got their notebook with four names in it. And they're sitting there like, we have Pierre McGuire. Like, you want to do, we could, I got to put him down. He's and a good like, conversationalist. I, is it? Yeah. If nothing, like maybe he's just the best time. Like maybe he's just the best time and they use that free space just to talk to him. I don't know. I'm fascinated by him. I'm fascinated by every time he gets brought up in one of the conversations. I want to see it work. I remember I, I, one time years ago, Bob McKenzie was talking about, it was either Pittsburgh when they were really bad, like pre-Crosby Malkin Pittsburgh. Um, or somebody, I forget what it was, but he, he said, you know, we've got this person who's up for it, this person up this, for it, and you'll have to excuse me. I have to put my colleague, uh, Pierre Maguire, on, the, on the, uh, the names list as well because he, you know, he's, he's rumored to be up for this as well. And Pierre's like, no comment. And it was a very funny little moment. And Adam, probably true. Do you remember that? That might have happened, but I remember a similar thing, and it, it was Bob. And it was when Milbury was on their panel, I think. And I want to say he put him up for the Sharks coaching job. Really? Yeah, Milbury yeah. was on the TSN panel for years, and people forget yeah. that. Milbury was in Canada. Yeah. yeah, it was a long time ago. It was either, right, it was either before – it might have been when Ron Wilson left the Sharks. Interesting. It's a very long time ago, though. 
Wow. Well, either way, it's a, uh, it's a fascinating thing in hockey. Uh, I don't quite get it. Uh, but then maybe it, it isn't mine to get until we see the man do it. Right. So Pierre Maguire for GM, everyone. <laughs> Who could coach a hockey team better? Pierre Maguire or me? Pierre, Pierre Maguire. Maguire. Yeah. 100%. So I don't know. I don't Can know. I, I, I want to see it. Can I get your guys' thoughts on the two points above that in Steve Simmons' article? I didn't catch those. Go ahead and read them. Okay, I'm going to read the, the two above the Pierre Maguire quote. So this is the first one. The only three defensemen with worse plus-minus numbers than Jake Gardner this season all played for the rather terrible Detroit Red Wings. Well, yeah, he's had a back injury and a bad, bad year. Is it, is that, was that a shot at the advanced stats community, do you think? I don't know what he's trying to convey there. What do you guys think? I think he's trying he, – he works for the newspaper that is the Hate Jake Gardner crew. Yeah, but also it's a Toronto-related thing. Was Player. this this week's paper? Yeah. Yesterday's column, I think. Boy, we're I, we're stretching for material. Hey, we won't be stretching for long. Me, I, I get that for weeks. It's only six that, small more weeks. Let's not jump on. Let's not jump on Steve. I get it. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. No, That's I mean uh, he did struggle. Yeah, he, he did. Carolina is not a good fit. I think you know where he makes a lot of sense is, to me is Montreal. I'd love to see Montreal pick him up. They've got the cap space. He didn't want to play there. Well, he might might want to now. Uh, Jesse, next point. I think the best fit was probably taking a break, to be honest. For some reason, and we're not sure why, Commissioner Gary Bettman wants former Oilers and Bruins GM Peter Shirelli back working in the NHL. He'd like to place him with the historically dysfunctional Arizona Coyotes. The league would also like Shane Doan to wind up with the Coyotes, but there's apparently some bad feelings about how everything ended for him in 2017. Joan currently works for the league. What the fuck? End point. <laughs> Bad feeling oh. from whomst. Whoa. Okay, okay. First off, let's start with. Yeah. Oh, we'll break those up. Yeah. There's, there's many points, but let's start with Peter Shirelli. Mm-hmm. So is it just that, like, is that how you get hired in the NHL? It's like Gary wants us to hire you, so we sort of have to. Otherwise, we're not getting our stabilization check, our, our, our rent check. <laughs> I don't get it. Like how, okay, we talk about NHL teams being closed-minded and having 31 jobs for 40 people. You have, you have Connor McDavid and you can't make the playoffs. And you're going to get another job in the NHL. Give but, them to the Coyotes. And, 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 and people wonder why there's so many issues with minorities going, hey, how about giving us a shot? Do you know right. what I'm saying? Anybody. You like, have directive. Like, but you know what I'm saying. Like you imagine – like this guy, this guy flunked the Tyler Sagan trade hardcore, almost sunk the Bruins, got fired, went to Edmonton and sunk them. And now he's going to get it. He's just going to, well, Gary wants him to work. <laughs> when did Gary Bettman what? become Peter Shirelli's agent? It's like when he coaches the team and he's like, well, I want my son to play first base. So my son's going to play first base. This is like Gary Bettman being like, well, I want Shirelli to have a job. So I'm going to give him a job. We're like, going to put him with the Coyotes. Is Adam Silver, <laughs> like, wink, wink, nudge, nudging the Utah Jazz to hire certain – what? So – That's not your job, man. It's, it's, like, it's like Gary – it would be like, be like Gary Bettman being like, listen, this podcast, it's not very good. 
But I want you to listen anyway, because I like the people on there. Uh, they're not very good, though. No, it's like him telling good. you that a, that a bad podcast is good. Or, yeah, or that you should hire them. Like, listen, I, you can I, hire Peter Shirelli. I don't give a shit. Like, who knows? Maybe is, he'll have a better go somewhere else than he did in Edmonton. Why is the commissioner going to bat for him? <laughs> right. <laughs> what? <laughs> and what's he going to do in Arizona? Like, I don't see John Shaka and Peter Shirelli. You said Arizona, right? Yeah. So Wait, I don't see that John Shaka was, – was Peter linked to Arizona? And, okay, I'm going to read the um... – the wording again. And do, yes. Don't this read the Doan part. Okay. We need to talk about the Shane Doan part after. Okay, I'll isolate the Shirelli part. For some reason, and we're not sure why, Commissioner Gary Bettman wants former Oilers and Bruins GM Peter Shirelli back working in the NHL. He'd like to place him with the historically dysfunctional Arizona Coyotes. What? For what, what reason? Is, is he what? is he supposed to bring is he the bringer of stability? Is it like <laughs> he left the Edmonton Oilers in a total disaster to the point where the guy that had made it a disaster out of the Detroit Red Wings has made the Oilers look good again. But also the commissioner can't place people on teams. What the well, fuck is that? I mean they used to own the team, right? The the NHL used to own that team. And what kind of dysfunction is going on in Arizona right now that we don't know about? That, that Peter Shirelli has to come in and go, guys, 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 <laughs> guys, the, 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 you, need, you need to follow the Shirelli method and calm down. Like, what, I, what, what is this? I, don't, I just don't can, get it. Can and I wh- tell you what I think it might be? What is it? Peter Shirelli took a made-up team in an NHL put-on international event called the World Cup of Hockey in 2016. Peter Shirelli helped assemble the most fun team at the tournament. North America. Even though they were made up, North America. And Gary Bettman said, that thing that we did four years ago with the obvious choices, we're going to pick that guy. That was Like, hard. I don't know. That's the only... It's not hard. That's the only thing I have. I would have picked, picked Nathan McKinnon for that team too. Give me a job. Yeah, what and Shifley f- and Matthews and McDavid and yeah! uh, Riley and Ekblad and all the guys they had. Like, come on. Matthews, I remember, was the only weird one because he hadn't played an NHL game yet. Yeah, but he was so And then he played and we were like, Jesus Lord. I want to ask Steve Simmons what this means because he I wrote think, it. I think Steve's just as confused as we are. Like, we often, we often have divergent opinions from Steve Simmons, to put it lightly. But you can hear I think he's like, I don't get it either. Right. For some reason, and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him for saying that. What is the reason for that? And he wouldn't have written it if he didn't hear it. Yes. Yes. Now, the Shane Doan thing is interesting. I remember being at a Puck Talks back when Steve did a Puck Talks, and Jesse and I went just to show support, and I think Tyler Della was on that night, and uh, it, was a bit, it was at the Rivoli, um, and... Steve, you were on stage, and I forget, was it Ali Monroe, I think, that was hosting it? You're on, I think you were on with Wheeler, and I forget who else was on the panel. Oh, I... Uh, <laughs> it might have been Justin Bourne. I think it might have been Justin Bourne. Was that the but, one where I, where I asked if Sashnikov was going to keep riding the wave? I have no... Probably, <laughs> I have no idea. 
just to be a dick to Wheeler. <laughs> well, and Wheeler took it well. I was he there did. for that. Yes. He did. So, so the question here is, <laughs> is the, 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 somebody asked in the audience at that point, could Shane, Shane Doan had just been, he just had retirement handed to him in a manner of speaking. Yeah. Like and, Jerome McGinley. Right. Just like Jerome we'll McGinley. We'll agree to disagree. Right. So somebody asked in the audience that I guess they, I'm not even really sure if they were a Coyotes fan, but I believe that they were. And they said, you know, how do you feel about Shane Doan being disrespected by the Coyotes organization? And I, I think it was, I think Justin Bourne was on this panel, Steve. I, I know you were, and I think Wheeler was, and somebody else. And everybody's Mike Zeisberger face, was there. Yes. Mike was there. I love Mike. Um, yeah. and, they, and everybody just went, what? And the thing is, for some reason, there's bad feelings between Shane Doan and the uh, Coyotes organization about the fact that they said, we're not going to resign you. Mm-hmm. Now, that could have had to do with the ownership group and maybe how they delivered that message. But am I wrong in saying that Shane Doan was pretty much washed? The guy had six goals in his last 74 games. At what point is it like, okay, man, you had a great career. And, and I remember he was pissed off too because they traded Ladislav Nagy yeah. and some of his buddies because they weren't going to the playoffs. And he was 39 at the time. Right. How many 39-year-olds can be functional NHL players? Right. I don't hear. You played a long time. <laughs> and what we didn't understand was like, what, what disrespect? And he seems, Shane Doan seems really bitter about this. And he may have legitimate it. reason. But it. his legitimate reason cannot be, I was still good to play. <laughs> he, no. This, this, you're getting it wrong, if I okay. remember correct. All right. Joe Thornton. All right. Very, now that I'm looking at the numbers, very similar situation. Almost the same age. Uh, Joe's 40 right now, about to turn 41. Shane Doan, I think, was 39. Yep. In 70 games this season, Joe had seven goals, 24 assists, 31 points. Very similar to Shane Doan. Joe was mad. He was not traded. Right. Shane Doan, at, I think, 39, like you said, in 74 games, six goals, 21 assists, 27 points. Not good. Not useless. I, he could have been traded at that deadline, no problem. Mm-hmm. Somebody picked he, him up. He's big. He's got leadership. And in terms of putting up numbers, he's not useless. He's at 30 points isn't nothing. 30, 35 points, that's not nothing. Who couldn't use someone like that heading into the playoffs? He did not want to be traded. And so what I said at the time that was sort of unpopular with some Coyotes fans is if you're in what you know is the final season of your career or could be, and you don't want to be traded to a contender. You're on a team that is going to miss the playoffs. I, I'm sorry. I have to question how bad you want to win. Here's your opportunity. We're going to send you to a team that has a really good shot of winning. No. Uh, then you don't want to win. Right. Or, or maybe you do win. You don't want to win that bad. Do you want to win bad enough to go somewhere else? No. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, you got to uproot yourself. You got you to gotta take your family. I get it. It's a pain in the ass. But what are you doing? I think uh, wasn't the problem that he didn't want to get traded and he wanted to come back. Yes, yeah. and the thing is, it's it was they time. didn't. It, well, it was illicit, and yeah, he could have come back and played and got twenty more points, and good for him. However, as long as he's in that dressing room because he's been there for so long, 
he is the, it is de facto his team. And what they were trying to do at that point was move on because you can't have a guy who scores 20 points a season be the, the guy on the team. Here, can I throw he it is up not there? the guy. Like imagine Michael Jordan was a bench warmer and played five minutes and averaged two points a game. Is Michael Jordan able to, to lead the Bulls to a championship? No. So when Michael Jordan, so as guy who, now I'm not saying Shane Doan was a bench warmer, but Shane Doan was well past his second, first line era of his career. He had an f- unbelievable career. He did. Yeah. So at, at, at a certain point, if you're management, what choice do you have? You have to move on. You have to find the next Shane Doan. But as long as the previous Shane Doan is there, you're not going to be able to let that guy be that guy. I mean, Brett Favre was still a great football player when Green Bay cut him loose, but they had some guy named Aaron Rodgers who was ready to go. And I'm looking, and everything you're saying, Adam, I'm looking for the disrespect and I don't see it. So I still don't know what Shane Doan's talking about. I'm I'm throwing it out there. Mike Medano Medano and Mike Babcock, what's the big thing? Uh, They didn't play, he didn't play that one game so he could get to 1,500 games. 1,499. And they're two mics. They battled for the name. Yeah. They sure did. They, they jousted. And Babcock won. Underrated. Bare knuckle. He won. You could call Mike Medano was Bob now. The Madcock fight. Bob no. Medano. Madcock Babcock fighting is illegal. How dare you? Anyway, sorry. Okay. Milestones. You should have won with Bab Dano. Bab Dano. <laughs> Shane Doan, uh, 27 points in his final season. This dude was, oh, math. Math is trouble. This dude was 28 points shy of 1,000. Oh, he wanted there a shot at 1,000. Okay. See, that makes a lot of sense then. He wanted a shot at a thousand. That's the only reason I can come up with. Or, or okay. you know, you know, uh, one, th- you know, one thing we've had, one thing we haven't learned from the last dance, but it was hyper emphasized, is uh, a lot of the athletes at the top of their game are a little bit wired differently. And when you've been Shane Doan for as long as Shane Doan has been, mm-hmm. uh, you think you can still do it, and. You know, maybe he's having a hard time letting go of that. And, you know, I don't, I don't blame him, but like, I don't understand. There has, there has to be something else because yeah. they That's tried not- to deal him. He didn't want to be traded. And I'm sure at some point during those conversations, they might have brought up the fact, look, we're not bringing you back. They're, we're not bringing you back except the deal somewhere else. And he didn't do it. It's he, interesting. he played in the NHL long enough to play for the Coyotes under three different names. Yeah. The Arizona Coyotes, the Phoenix Coyotes, and the Winnipeg Jets. He yep. played for the first ones. Man, you had a good one. You should have let them deal you. The other thing I want to ask is, is at what point does, like, you're at the end of your career, and it, it, let's say – for hypothetical reasons here, because we don't know that this is the case, but I can understand a thousand points being the thing. Why does a team have an obligation to employ you to get those final 20, 27 points if it serves them no purpose? Well, because you put in 1,540 games. And they paid you extremely well for that. 
That's what your paycheck is for. That's the Don Draper thing. That's what the money is for. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's if your time a, is done, it's done. It's a great it's their scene. call. Let me throw it out there, though. And here's me throwing it out there again. For some reason, that's my verbal crutch today. Uh, Shane Doan's playoff point totals, mm-hmm. exactly 28 points. Huh. So, Shane, you did have 1,000. <laughs> in a way. You had 1,000. I don't know. Why don't we count those? Like, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. To me, that's he had 972 plus 28. That's 1,000. And, I mean, if playoff games in suspension terms count as two games – you know, like if one game, if you get suspended for a game in the NHL in the playoffs, it counts as two games. So those point totals are actually 54 because point totals must then also equal double what they do in the regular season, right? I'm actually watching like planets and stars orbit your head right now. <laughs> galaxy brain. Well, that's how the NHL views suspensions. Yes. Oh, one playoff game is worth two regular season games. Right. Uh, I don't get it. Yeah, well, okay. There's a lot about the NHL we don't get, but here's the thing. How about we go into the press conference and we have a fun time? The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. It's always a fun time. It's a silly place. Let's do it. All right. For the press conference, we're going to play a video. Oh, I love it. Throw the video out there. (laughs) Just throw it out there. While, while you're loading that, and I'm sure people will bring this up, the season before Shane Doan's last one, he had 28 goals. Only 47 points, but 28 goals. That's not nothing. He should have gone to a contender, man. He could have been a contender. He could have been a contender. He should have gone. Mm-hmm. Ray Bork did it, man. You, you don't got to play for one organization your whole life. Ray Bork think, did it. No one blames think, him. Do you think Ray Bork hated winning a cup? I, he, wasn't with the Boston. video footage, like you, what I remember about him getting handed the cup was all the shoulder shrugging. Yeah. And how much he just hated it's it. It's not Boston! Yeah. With his beard. And after 22 years, Ray Bork. <laughs> it's not quite how they said it, is it? <laughs> so I want to play this video for you. Why? This comes from Galveston, Texas. And it's our favorite, favorite video clips thus far this year. It's a local news guy. I believe his name is James Jordan. He's got a bit of an affected uh, delivery. Okay. Almost like a 1980s radio jock from the radio. On the radio coming at you through the speakers. Anyway, he's talking about Galveston, Texas. Now, you know they do things a bit differently in Texas, Steve. Bigger. But I think this illustrates how differently they do things in Texas. Because when we're talking about Texas... We talk about everything's big. We talk about everybody parties harder. And we talk about bigger parties. We talk about this party specifically. It is called the Topless Jeep Beach Party. So You, get you your made Jeep. that up. No. You get your Jeep. You take the top off the Jeep. I'm assuming other people take their tops off as well. And they all party on the beach. Now, in Galveston and Texas, I believe, as a whole, they've just opened up all the beaches. However, social distancing is still encouraged. <laughs> Now, at the, at the time of, this, oh, of no. this, this report, remember, this is halfway through the weekend. This guy's doing this on like a Saturday night. He's doing this report. The previous night, Steve, 60-plus people were arrested. And he'll mention that in the report. Why? I'm going to tell you the number of the amount of people that were arrested on the Saturday night. After you watch this report, and we're okay. going to we're gonna have to do a few stop starts, but not too many because you got to hear this. So let's go ahead, Jesse, with the, uh, with the audio. 
After several weeks of being stuck inside, thousands have flocked here to Bolivar Peninsula to make the most of their time while out. Been in quarantine and like I need to get out and party. Go Topless Jeep Weekend. What's better than beach and a few drinks and Jeeps? Man, get any better than that. In full swing at beaches on Bolivar Peninsula. <laughs> this event comes at a time where beaches across the state are reopening following the coronavirus pandemic. And beachgoers like Chelsea Collier are still taking precautions to stay safe. Wash them hands for 20 seconds and keep them clean with their Germex. Totally. Last year's Go Topless event, <laughs> chaos erupted. About 80 people were arrested. Six people were taken to the hospital. But this go-round, the Galveston County Sheriff's Office has enlisted the help of 40 DPS troopers. Come down have a good time. You have a good time, there's no issues. But when you start acting silly, like the sheriff said on the previous interview, we've got a jail that's got a whole lot of empty holes. The sheriff's office have made at oh least 63 God. arrests so far in connection to Jeep Weekend. As for the enforcement of social distancing, they say it's challenging to enforce. I mean, you can't. It's just, it's not possible to do that on this beach with the amount of people that we have here. It's just... We can't do that. Where's the additional Johnny? presence of law enforcement <laughs> has been a welcoming sight for beachgoers, given the history of this event. Law enforcement's definitely made their visitability and made people chill out and not be as crazy. The cops are doing their job as long as they don't be mean to people who are actually being innocent. Then I'm all gravy, baby. And if you missed out on today's festivities, you can come out tomorrow, like the Galveston County Sheriff's Office says. So... I don't know if you caught this, but last year, Steve, at this big party, 80 people were arrested. And okay. at the time he was reporting this, 63 people had been arrested. Okay. That night after he does the report, 120 more people were arrested. Oh, my God. And two of them went to hospital and then went to jail because they shot each other. What? It's, it's the most Texas thing. And the best part about that clip for me is oh. like, what are you going to do about the social distancing? The cop's like, it's just not even possible. We're just not even going to try. It's just, we can't. <laughs> I mean, I appreciated the honesty. Yeah. I, you know what? It is, it's refreshing, isn't it? But that yeah. is how like, people say <sighs> it's different in Texas. You know, different dude. That's a different place. It's a different, different ass place. Texas is just so different. There was a word very early in in that uh report that caught my eye um following the coronavirus pandemic no <laughs> when you do something following something that thing is over it's not over yeah there's no following here sir I know. it's it's funny and it, you know the, the, the like if okay so you have to understand if you're listening to this and you're from the you're from near the area or whatever you you probably don't understand why this is so crazy to us but you have to understand that if there was ever an event where 80 people were arrested in toronto they they not only would the event never happen there would be a federal inquiry like it would just be oh, yeah. it would be <laughs> national news and this is just some like this is a local television station in galveston doing the report and it is just, it's pandemonium. It's wild. There was it's an crazy. American American comedian on Just for Laughs, a comedy festival up here. I don't know if it's in the States. And uh, he had this joke that was, uh, you know, Canada's cute. You guys report all your murders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it stuck with me. Yep. Um, man. man. You know what, Adam? I find it adorable that you're going, oh, that's so Texas. 
because you could you could be like this was in Florida, this was in I, you know I had to pick on Florida, but this was in this was in this was in. There's a there's a thousand places I'd believe you if you said it was there. <laughs> well, at least they're ha- at least someone somewhere is having a good time, uh, except for the guys that shot each other. They're not. No, no, no. They're having a bad time. <laughs> they're having a bad time. They're but having a bad time. It, listen, man. I, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm exhausted <laughs> being mad. So I just got to laugh. Like, why, when, why would you get mad at that? Why would I? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like every, everyone's like, why aren't you? And I'm like, well, what are you, what are you going to do? Change hearts and minds at this point for, no, they're going to let them go to the beach. They're going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> like I said it two months ago, people didn't get it. You get it now? Like people are going to do what they, what they're going to do. No, and Steve will be at home with his dolls. So <laughs> I'll be at home with my dolls. Uh, you got a lot of them behind you. Listen, you they looked like they were having a great time. They they had a fantastic time. For sure. Anyway, we thought we would play that for you. It's just the best clip ever. Wow. The best news. That's the best two minutes of news I've ever seen. Ever. Do you think <laughs> do you think local news people know? Like when they're about to go viral, like, oh, this is gonna get picked up everywhere. I don't think so. Not there. He knew. That guy knew. I don't think so. Look at the look at his face. He knew. I don't think so. He was jacked. Like he got he was jacked great, to be there for sure. He got great clips from the beach. Great clips. He interspersed them properly, whatever. And then like it's just the story carries it though. It's the story's nuts. It's just crazy. And he nonchalantly mentions that 80 people are arrested. Like that's the part that kills me. Every character is like a a character from Reno 911. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. Like, oh great. god. That's a great clip. Jesse, you have to watch that a thousand times. Questions for us? No, we're good to go. All right. So we will be back on Sunday. Actually, yes, we will be back Sunday. Um, we do have a bit of a wonky week next week. We're going to still do our Wednesday show. Uh, but uh, my daughter's uh, birthday is on that weekend. So I'm going to be, uh, I may have to, we may have to shuffle the schedule a little bit. So once the three of us figure that out, we'll let you know the dates. Uh, it won't, it won't be more than like a day late or whatever, but we'll just sort it out and let you know. Thank you so much for watching. Hopefully by next episode, we'll get some sort of announcement from the NHL to say, here's what we're attempting to do. We have the NBA. It just came out is going to make an announcement on June 1st about things, uh, getting going. So we'll see that. So hopefully the NHL is around the same time. Yep. Here's hope. Great. The great thing about announcements that are 10 days in the future is in 10 days, nothing can change. Anyway, we'll see you next time. We love you. Thanks so much for watching. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness. Connection complete.